G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face, to helping you understand the issues going on in the world, to clear and understandable Bible teaching, all peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Because as we look at the U.S. elections, a series of elections are held in every state and overseas territories of the United States. They start in February, which determine who becomes each party's official presidential candidate. Now, the winner of each collects a number of delegates. Not always easy to understand if you're only familiar with Australian politics. Party members with the power to vote for that candidate at the party conventions held in July where candidates are formally confirmed. Now, the more state uh, contests that a candidate wins, the more delegates will be pledged to support them at the convention. And, of course, as you know, Barack Obama can't run this year. Both parties are holding competitive primaries this year. We're going to see if we can make sense of what's going on in the United States, as well as getting a little deeper, talking through some character issues of some of the candidates who are front runners. And it's good to be able to welcome Bill Muhlenberg to uh, our Culture Watch segment for today. Hello, Bill. Welcome along. Great to be back. Well, Bill, uh, American by birth, how old were you when you moved to Australia? Oh, dear, the math is... Uh, I need a calculator on that one. We uh, we moved uh, permanently in 89. So uh, what does that make me? I guess in my... Uh, uh, about 40, 40s or so. Okay, like all right. Well, a little uh, bit earlier. I only asked that because uh, just I'm establishing too old to ask those questions. <laughs> just just establishing some credentials to be yeah. talking yeah. about the U.S. context because you grew up in the United States. Yep. yep. And these days, you travel back to the United States regularly, and mm. your following uh, with your Culture Watch website is growing in the United States as mm. well as in Australia. And uh, as I look at some of the articles that you write, uh, some of those are uh, really targeted towards an American audience. And so you've got this keen mm. uh, following of what's going on in the U.S. as much as you do this keen following of people who are interested yep. in your comments of wh- uh, what's going on here in Australia. So uh, just to talk through these things, it's it's difficult, isn't it, uh, for Australians to understand sometimes the difference in the election structure in the United States to our uh, our structure here in Australia because we're talking about a republic uh, compared mm. to a commonwealth. Mm. Uh, big differences, actually, aren't there? Oh, look, it is uh, a bit different. Uh, certainly it can be a bit confusing when you talk about the actual... Uh, election process. You did mention the primaries and caucuses and how they can be different in various states. And then we also have what we call the Electoral College, (laughs) which is equally uh, confusing. Um, We don't need to go into all the details here about both, but uh, 
let it be said that the founding fathers had reasons for the electoral college, the primaries and uh, caucuses came along later, but the first was in the Constitution, and the idea was to, uh, well, the whole idea of the fathers was uh, a federalism, where the states have power instead of, you know, a centralized government having all the power. They wanted to disperse the power to the states. So at first they talked about electing the president either by Congress or uh, by the individuals. So the Electoral College was meant to be a kind of a compromise between the two. So it can be a bit confusing. So I guess you'd say indirectly we elect the president, but Generally speaking, hopefully most often, if the majority of uh, Americans vote for somebody, well, they will get in. But there can be the hiccup now and then. So, um, yeah, the process itself we could spend a lot of time on. But um, And it is a bit different. It's a first-past-the-post system in uh, the U.S., whereas here, as you know, you can do all kinds of things with preferences and so on. And, uh, you know, you can get a party in, but you can have the individual who's running, say, as the prime minister, losing, as we saw a while back when John Howard lost his seat. So, yeah, some differences here between the English-Australian systems and the American And, of course, it's a year-long process, uh, Mm. the U.S. election campaign, and uh, we're used to shorter elections here in Australia. The likelihood is we'll probably have our own uh, national election here in Australia before the U.S. actually goes to the polls. So uh, it's a long, drawn-out, and sometimes people Mm. will say it gets a little boring uh, watching election uh, politics from the U.S., uh, for some, though, uh, the the event uh, of the uh, the appearance of Donald Trump has changed all of that because mm-hmm. he's a colourful character and uh, very outspoken and uh, perhaps yeah. uh, hated more than loved. Uh, he certainly has uh, raised a lot of attention to the election campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. He certainly uh, threw a spanner in the works and. Um all kinds of uh, interest, both, as you say, positive and negative. Uh, funny mix, of course. I mean, uh, obviously, most of your listeners, like you and I, are Christians, and uh, probably most more or less conservative as well. Uh, Trump is obviously not a Christian, and one can argue he's probably not even a real conservative, uh, which is the odd thing that he's now going with Republicans, which is the conservative party. He um, has really been a lifelong progressive or liberal. He's given millions of dollars to, you know, Democratic uh, candidates, the Clintons, Obama, and so on. Um, so to have them now uh, all of a sudden kind of changing gears and uh, uh, claiming to be a Republican candidate, is it's, it's a bit confusing and a bit worrying for some. Uh, you know, a lot of what he says, it's a, you know, let's suck it to Washington, let's stand up and not have the uh, all the games that are playing. That, that appeals to many, it does to me as well. Uh, but we do have real conservatives and Christians like Ted Cruz who are doing the same thing. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, interesting times indeed with uh, Trump in the mix. We'll talk some more about Donald Trump, and no doubt there might be a listener or two who might like to contribute to our conversation and uh, give their own impressions of 
what they think of the front-runner candidates in the United States. And perhaps we'd talk about, uh, too, their Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton on the Democrats' side. So our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. If you have your own thoughts or insights into what you're seeing in the United States. You might also like to be thinking about how you can contribute to our conversation today as to what it is that makes an influence when we're looking on from the outside to the United States electing who will potentially be what we'd call the leader of the free world and what sort of effects that might have as it flows through to other nations, including us here in Australia. We have a good relationship with the United States. You might have uh, some reflection, some insights into that. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Bill, uh, clear up for us, because when you say Donald Trump uh, as the uh, front-runner there uh, in the Republican side, uh, typically... Uh, Republicans have uh, garnered together or corralled a a voting support base that has often included the evangelical Christian base in the US. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you say Donald Trump is not a Christian and not even really a conservative, Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that, that he is actually the front runner in the Republican Party. Does that mean that the Republican Party and the support base is changing in the U.S.? Well, it's a good question, and again, it reflects some of the complexity of the American scene. Uh, For example, on some, well, some of it has to do simply with opinion polls and surveys and who you prefer, and then there's what we already mentioned, the caucuses and primaries where you do have actual votes. But uh, strangely, in some of the states, uh, you can have... uh, well, in this case, non-Republicans voting. So you can get Democrats uh, who may have a quite different spin on things voting as well. So that can kind of skew the results. And then, as we've seen in some previous elections, uh, well, as you know, voting is not compulsory in the U.S. A lot of people can just sit out, and that often happens, and often plenty of uh, evangelical Christians can sit out of an election uh, last time around, Republicans had a uh, moderately conservative and yet a Mormon candidate. And for many uh, Christians, they just couldn't bring themselves to bear to vote for uh, a Mormon, even though he wasn't running for theologian-in-chief, but just for president. Uh, so I've uh, you know, had a lot of discussions on that issue. So a lot of evangelicals, like millions, stayed home and didn't vote. So in that sense, they at least indirectly, gave Obama uh, a second term. So there's a lot of different dynamics going on here as to who's voting and why they're voting or why they're not voting. And uh, and even if they are voting for Trump, I think they need uh, might need a bit more education on some of the policies and even the character of the man himself. Interesting to make a comparison between our compulsory voting system here in Australia and the non-compulsory system in the US. Do you have any thoughts on how that uh, those systems compare? I mean, is one better than another? I mean, sometimes people say we ought to have a change here in Australia and it shouldn't be compulsory. But uh, I personally think uh, compulsory voting is good. Yep. Oh, look, that's another topic for debate, and there can be pros and cons on both, actually. Um, You know, forcing people to vote who may have a 
no clue whatsoever uh, what they're voting about can be problematic, but uh, of course that would hold true for those who uh, in a place like America where they can choose to vote still may not have a clue and will vote. Um, in fact, the early founding fathers had uh, various requirements as to who could vote, including even things like those who owned private property. They felt that uh, there were various reasons why uh, uh, you know, people will vote more responsibly given certain conditions. So today, of course, well, in Australia, any, everybody votes, whether they have even the slightest clue as to what they're doing and who they're voting for. And then we've got other things like uh, demands to lower the voting age, you know, getting 14-year-olds who probably still don't even know what their favorite uh, pop star is, uh, getting the, you know, vote for who's going to run the country. So it's often the left uh, parties who want to lower the voting age. I think that could be a bit of a worry. So, look, there's, a, again, another debate on that one. They both had their good points and bad points. Um, but in either case, at the time being, we have to live with them. Well, we've introduced uh, some discussion there about Donald Trump, uh, the front runner in the campaign on the Democrat side, of course, mm-hmm. is Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on Hillary Clinton? And, and of course, uh, you might have your own thoughts, too, on uh, the other potential candidate there, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Oh, look, both are far left candidates with the Democrats. Uh, They make no pretension about that. Bernie Sanders is even more of a hardcore socialist and lefty than Hillary, but both her and uh, Obama have been very clear on a whole range of issues that should be of concern to uh, believers. Uh, In fact, we could say the last eight years under Obama has been a very hard time for Christians, Uh, one kind of anti-Christian bit of legislation after another has been pushed. Uh, of course, Democratic uh, Democrat Party policy, official policy, is abortion on demand, homosexual marriage, things like that, which neither one are part of the Republican platform. So either one will certainly keep pushing for that, whereas uh, at least some of the Republicans, like Trump, Cruz, uh, not so much Trump, uh, Cruz, Rubio, Carson, uh, we'll be looking to hold the line and maybe even take things back. Certainly, Cruz has talked about fully defunding Planned Parenthood, things like that. So, again, on some of these core moral issues, the Democrats, whoever they put up, have a very far-left radical uh, position on these things, whereas at least some of the Republicans want to... Uh, turn things around. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Bill Muhlenberg, our guest, our regular Culture Watch segment expanded today to take in some commentary on the US elections. Uh, The likes of uh, many of the different uh, front runners that you'll be familiar with, uh, the likes of Hillary Clinton as a Democrat and uh, Donald Trump, who are dominating headlines that are coming out of the US. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Before we do take a call, though, uh, Bill, introducing into our conversation as some level of Christian commentary, because so many people put their trust in horses and chariots or 
uh, in the sense of our current 21st century context, uh, people putting their trust in politicians to solve all the problems of the world and be mm-hmm. our saviours. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the way Christians look at leadership like that. Yeah, well, look, that's right. There's two uh, extremes to avoid here. Both can be quite damaging. One, as you just said, the idea that we think, you know, if we get a new president or a new party or a new prime minister, we're going to save a a country. Um, (laughs) It doesn't quite work that way. Um, At the end of the day, politics doesn't save. Politics will not, um, you know, turn a nation around. It can make some changes, and for good or for ill, but it's not the Savior or the Messiah. That's only Jesus Christ, and only he can ultimately uh, turn around the nation. But the other, of course, extreme is to say, well, politics doesn't matter uh, unless you got a change of heart spiritually, unless you're born again, you're not going to do any good. So why even bother to vote and get involved in politics? Well, simple answer, answer to that, of course, is God created politics. He created government. He set up the state, and he expects us, as Romans 13 and other places state, to be involved, to do our duty, to be responsible citizens, in fact, to be salt and light in every area of life. We've talked about this often. So in culture, in society, in politics, media, arts, you name it, every area, Christ wants us to represent him and to be his voice. So we certainly need Christian politicians. We need to prayerfully, carefully think about who we might elect as a prime minister or a president or a party. So all this is part of our calling as Christians to be involved in the CR faith having uh, impact on the world around us. So, yeah, got to find that balance there. Uh, Politics won't save us. But on the other hand, it is important. And who's in will make a big difference. If we got, say, a Bernie Sanders in with his pro-socialism approaches, he'll probably fully bankrupt the country in a couple of years. If we got a conservative Christian in, like uh, Ted Cruz, uh, who knows? If nothing else, God will graciously uh, allow a few changes. So politics matters. We are taking calls 1-800-316-316 to join our talkback conversation today. Let's take a call from Peter in WA. Peter, uh, your town, what's your town? Uh, Derby. I'm originally from Melbourne. Oh, you're in, you're in Derby. Fabulous. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, originally from Melbourne, yeah, so, yeah. Great. Peter, what are your thoughts on our discussion today? Um, uh, I, I just think personally, I think, um, I think personally, I think Donald Trump was probably always, always the big reaction to, to political correctness that was always going to happen, you know. You know, I think a lot of people are basically just sick of it all. And, um, you know, you can't call a spade a spade anymore. And, and, and that's even pretty much the same in Australia and most Western countries, you know. So I think Donald Trump is basically, he was, he was pretty predictable. Um, but I'll just, I'll, I've got to go now. I'll just leave your thoughts on that. That's okay. great. Well, Bye. Peter, thank you so much for your input today. And, uh, and that's an interesting point, isn't it, uh, Bill mm. Muhlenberg? Because Donald Trump has broken through... Uh, yep. What this uh, people have been governed by a ideology or a political correctness. Some people talking about that as a cultural Marxism, and mm. uh, really speaking his mind. And uh, the realization that actually people are wanting to listen uh, to someone who's prepared to break all of those uh, uh, those boundaries. Uh, that's really one of the uh, one of the big inputs into this election that you could take from uh, from Donald Trump. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely, and Peter is quite right. Uh, people are getting sick and tired of both parties. They're getting sick of the status quo. They're getting sick of sick of the Washington establishment, or as I think Ted Cruz calls it, the Washington cartel. They're absolutely fed up with political correctness and you know both parties doing nothing to deal with the real issues of the day. So, yeah, in that sense, absolutely. Trump has got a lot of appeal. He says what he wants. He doesn't worry about what anybody thinks. Uh, now, that can be good in one hand because he doesn't give a rip what Republicans or Democrats think. But then again, he can, uh, you know, he can say some pretty bizarre and wild things as well. So, uh, but I think he is tapping into a real sense of frustration in America. People are really fed up. They're looking for something different, something better. So in that sense, many conservatives and Christians did initially think, oh, well, Maybe Trump is the way to go, but as we learn more about him, both from his past and what he's saying today, for example, we just recently called Planned Parenthood, the abortion provider, uh, a wonderful group doing wonderful work. Uh, obviously, if you're pro-life, that's got to be a worry, and there's many other things that uh, we have to look at carefully with Trump. But yeah, he is, um, he is shaking things up a bit, and in many ways, this is the fault of the Republican establishment. It's been nominating rhinos, what we call uh, Republican in name only, people who are really not conservative, not real Republicans. And so we haven't had a real alternative. So certainly Trump makes it look like, hey, I'm different. I'm an alternative. So uh, he is uh, certainly uh, getting a lot of interest. Well, we're certainly going to be talking about comparisons uh, between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, but we might also talk some more very shortly, uh, some comparisons, as you say, uh, between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, who may be the the next in line uh, behind Trump as a potential uh, Republican candidate. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Hello, yeah. um just one thing, you say Donald Trump is not a Christian, but uh, uh, when he told the false prophet from Rome to mind his own business, he, he made himself greater than any Christian leader to me. And also, just one thing about, you, you're speaking a lot about Ted Cruz. Now, you know, we talk about Christian leaders, but to me, the great test is if they can stand up and say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only way to God. Only then will I accept him as a Christian leader. And just one thing, Brother Bill, you probably know better than me. Um, I've heard that um, his wife is a member of the CFR, which in, in any terms is, you know, smacks of New World Order and all the political correctness that goes along with it. So I just want your thoughts on that. Let's get some thoughts from Bill. Well, thanks for that. You raised three issues, <laughs> so we have to quickly deal with each. Uh, the first as to whether you stand up to the Pope on a particular issue, and uh, we had just one recently about uh, building the wall and the Pope saying you can't be a Christian if you build walls, which was a kind of a foolish thing to say. I wrote an article on that. But, of course, to be uh, concerned about a remark like that, that in itself is not a test of being a Christian. So, you know, we need a lot more from Trump than simply one or two statements uh, getting into an argument with the Pope on some political issue uh, as to the candidates and their involvements. I mean, look, Trump is up to his ears in involvement with various groups that you'd have to be worried about, even um, uh, backing by people like George Soros, financial uh, backing. So, uh, you know, they're all, to some extent, tainted 
Uh, and finally, the third, which was your second point, uh, Ted Cruz has said on many occasions, and I've heard both him and his father, who's also an evangelical Christian, being unapologetic about the lordship of Christ. So, uh, but again, I'm not putting my all my hopes in one man, as we said earlier, even if he were the greatest Christian to ever live. Uh, a, politics won't save everything, and B, even if he got in, uh, he'd be constrained by Congress, by a, you know, a very hostile media, so it'll be the same battles anyway. So we have to be realistic here, but having said that, some are certainly uh, more Christian and outspoken in their faith than others. Uh, Chris, uh, there was another point you made about Donald Trump's wife. Uh, what is this CFR thing you're no, no, talking Don, about? No, not Donald Trump's wife. Oh, sorry. Ted Cruz's Ted wife. Ted Cruz's wife. Yeah, CFR is the Council for Foreign, Re- for Foreign Relations, and that sort of like uh, has a New World Order agenda, you know. All right. Okay. Do you know anything about that, Bill? Well, as I said, all of them have various, I mean, there's talk about Goldman Sachs being involved there, all these different things. I mean, every single candidate is being tarred and feathered with, you know, him or his wife or his third cousin or his fourth nephew. Uh, You know, how far you can go with that and how far that disqualifies anybody. As I said before, everybody is tainted in that sense. Everybody has dealings with something, and in fact, we may discuss this later, but the idea of we can't vote for somebody until they're perfect, well, uh, no Christian lives that way. When you run out and get petrol, you might be getting it from a Satanist or a, a New Ager or an occultic person. You know, when you buy a loaf of bread, everything we do every day, we're contaminating ourselves by interacting, even buying stuff from people who may not be born-again Christians. So it's the same here. Uh, Again, we're not electing a theologian-in-chief. We're electing somebody who can hopefully best run the country. Thank you so much to Chris from Victoria. And interesting, Bill, and uh, not too long out from the news now, and we'll break for the news and we'll continue our conversation beyond the news. Our talkback line is open, but uh, but Americans do love a good conspiracy theory. And as you say, there's always someone who's connected to candidates that you can, uh, you can you know, throw a bit of mud at and it's, uh, you know, and professional uh, theorists, uh, conspiracy theorists in the US, they just love a good election campaign because a lot of that mud that they throw actually does stick. Mm. No, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, some of it is true, some of it isn't. We have to be a bit careful. We have to suss out the various allegations and, again, uh, go for the issues that most matter, not some of the secondary bits, which may or may not be as uh, crucial. Well, I want to invite our guests, uh, our uh, listeners, to be part of our conversation. Our talkback line open at 1-800-316-316. And uh, those waiting on the line will take your calls straight after the news. Vision National News is just ahead. Our special guest this hour is Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch. We're talking through issues in the U.S. presidential elections. And talking about some of the front-runner candidates, you can be part of our conversation. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. We're back with more after the news. John in Somerset in Tasmania. Hello, John. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, Glad to be on. There's something that you cropped up in your conversation earlier. You mentioned uh, uh, intention by some politicians as policy to look at lowering the voting age to 14 or something like that. 
I immediately thought that, well, it's not unlikely that the same politicians, a significant number of them, would be interested in lowering the age of consents to something lower than it presently is also. Uh, would you care to comment on the uh, possible relationship between uh, one gerrymander and another one? Bill Muhlenberg. Yes, well, good point. Of course, we did just mention that briefly, and I think you're quite right. As I said, it tends to be parties on the left who are in favor of lowering the voting age, and as you rightly say, many of them tend to be quite uh, in favor of lowering the age of uh, consent for all things sexual, so uh, they, they, you know, they don't of necessity have to go together, but often you find the same calls being made by uh, various left parties, whether in the U.S. or Australia. So I think there's a connection there, and uh, wisdom might say, well, a bit of experience, a bit of maturity uh, uh, comes in handy when we're doing something as important as voting for the next leader of the nation. So uh, I know when I was 14, 15, I don't think I was thinking anything uh, political, so... uh, it might be wisdom in keeping it at least to, uh, you know, 18. Some places have it 21, I think. John from Somerset in Tasmania, great to hear from you. Thanks for your contribution on 2020 today. Let's take another call. Graham is in Perth, WA. Hello, Graham. Graham, are you with us? Oh, I'm uh, is this Graham. Graham, yes. Hello. Uh, I'd just like to mention a couple of scriptures. Uh, Romans uh, 1, uh, chapter 1, that is, uh, from 17 through to. Uh, 28, and that just tells you about man <clears throat> wanting to do his own thing for his own preferred ways. And then I'd like to move on to uh, Zechariah, not Ze- uh, Ezekiel, I should say. Uh, Ezekiel uh, 5, chapter 5 through to chapter five, to 9, tells you about uh, all the troubles which is going to be for us. And uh, at the end of 9, it talks about the... Um, Inkhorn and about those who sigh and cry for the abominations that's going on in in Israel or this world, and uh, this world is really it's sickening. It's sickening. It's just what I'm hearing and seeing on it's, it's just upsetting. It's just turning the place into Sodom and Gomorrah. It's very upsetting. Some thoughts from Bill Muhlenberg on some of those things Graham is uh, is concerned about and uh, and looking at the scriptures and uh, looking at things that uh, would indicate that in an end times there would be things that would be very upsetting. Bill Muhlenberg, your thoughts? Yes, well, both very uh, appropriate, very relevant uh, scriptures. Certainly Romans 1, no question, three times there Paul says God gave them over to their unrighteousness. They suppressed the truth in unrighteousness, and God finally had to say, look, if you're going to keep shaking your fist against me, I'm going to let you do your thing effectively. He's going to take away his divine hand of protection. And boy, you certainly wonder, is this kind of, you know, where America is at today, where Australia is at today? Has God, in fact, uh, removed his protecting hand of grace over these nations? Have we gotten so far away from him. And, uh, of course, same with the Ezekiel passage. There's a similar one in Amos 6, which talks about woe to those who are at ease in Zion. That is, woe to you who don't really care at all what's happening to the nation. And we see a lot of that here. So we can have really two things to talk about. One, the 
decline of a nation, but two, you know, where are the Christians? Why don't Christians care about what's happening? Why are they not praying even harder, working even harder to turn things around? So some very good points raised by those two passages. Thank you so much to Graham from Perth for your input today here on 2020. And uh, just reflecting, Bill, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, last half hour, about purists who won't vote because there's no perfect candidate. And uh, and there is something uh, that I suspect uh, we need an adjustment on, is that we have a privilege to be able to cast a vote uh, that is in a democracy that means that our vote does count, as much as everyone else does, uh, to be able to elect the government uh, into power. Now, uh, interesting, an article that you've written of recent times on getting the government that we deserve. Mm. Uh, If you're not a thoughtful Christian voter and uh, you're not uh, applying your Christian worldview to how you will actually vote, uh, really you are uh, throwing away the opportunity to be an influence there as a Christian believer. Let's talk about this on getting the government we deserve. Your thoughts, Bill? Well, yes, there's a lot of uh, people who have been talking about this. In fact, different quotes to that effect have been going around, and uh, uh, kind of a related one goes back to John Calvin, actually, about how wicked rulers are, in fact, the judgment of God on a nation. So I think there's something to all that. Um, You know, if a people as a whole, there's always exceptions, but if the majority of the people shake their hand, their fist at God, and want nothing to do with God in their life, well, that all translates into what happens to the nation as a whole, and God will give them ungodly rulers. And I think Obama is probably a good case in point. Uh, it's about every pro-homosexual, pro-abortion, pro-Islam uh, madness you can imagine has been pushed by Obama in the last seven plus years, and um, so many are wondering, gee, is God, you know, is he kind of saying, America, you're at your, uh, the end of your ropes, either we need some hardcore repentance, obviously beginning with the churches, or, you know, maybe he'll allow a, a Sanders or a Clinton to finish off the job. I mean, I think it's getting that dire in the U.S. that should the Democrats get in one more time, uh, you know, I'm really, uh, I grieve over my home country. I, I just think, boy, this could push it right over the edge. So, again, a lot of it has to do with God's people. You know, the old Second Chronicles 7.14, we say it all the time, that it kind of goes in one ear out the other, but there's something to it. We have to repent and humble ourselves and seek God's face, and then he can answer. But uh, you know, most Christians don't seem to care, don't seem to know about any of this, and, you know, just living the good life, and uh, that's not the way we're going to turn things around. Interestingly, Bill, that America is the prime example of how a biblical society uh, produced freedom, mm-hmm. wealth, and made it really uh, the most powerful, most influential nation mm-hmm. on earth. Uh, and yeah. those biblical foundations, uh, it appears to me, and and those things are really indisputable because of the foundations and, as you talk about, the founding fathers, uh, yeah. the powerful Christian faith that they held and the way that legislation 
uh, was brought forward on a biblical foundation and it produced that freedom and that wealth and that success uh, of a nation. Uh, There's a change. The ideology is different. And as we're talking about the front runners on both sides, the Democrats and the Republicans, neither of the leading candidates is holding to any of that or promising any uh, any reflection on those early foundations. It's like they've they've let go of uh, you know the anchor is not really holding them in place anymore. Mm. No, absolutely right, and we've discussed this often before as well. There's no question that the West, in general, has been the product of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And uh, obviously America had a particular founding by those who were concerned about, well, they were escaping uh, religious persecution, of course, in England and came here with the express purpose of, well, setting up a light on the hill. They borrowed so much from the Old Testament, especially about a, a chosen people, a special people to finally allow God to have a bit of sway. Uh, So it was an amazing experiment, if you will, the founding of America in so many ways. But as you say, we've lost it all. We've just, you know, thrown it away. And so all the freedom, prosperity, and rule of law, democracy, all the things we've enjoyed for so long, all that is now being chipped away real fast. And as you also say, are we going to get it back with Trump or Hillary? I don't think so. So that's why many are saying, unless we get somebody like, a, say, a Ted Cruz, who really is a solid Christian and conservative, who wants to make America great again, but not just great materially or whatever, but great spiritually as well, uh, you know, <laughs> it really is a crucial election come November 8th. Who wins? Boy, that's going to not only change, of course, the direction of America, but as America goes, so goes the rest of the world, including Australia. So if your listeners are thinking, oh, I'm not interested in what happens there, well, you should be, because what happens there is going to impact us here as well. There's a glaring inconsistency to raise with you, Bill, and that is the church attendance in the United States compared to Australia. In Australia, we have a lowish uh, church attendance, somewhere around 10%. Uh, Some extend that to around 15% of our population will attend church uh, regularly uh, or occasionally. Uh, In the US, as I understand it, the church attendance is as high as 50%. Uh, And so there is an inconsistency here when you have front-runner candidates who are glaringly uh, uh, snubbing their nose at Mm. that Christian heritage and foundation that that somehow or other Christians are not concerned in the U.S. about about how that whole thing would unfold uh, with a Christian candidate and for what actually has given the nation its freedom, its liberty, its its wealth, its uh, its influence. Mm Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It, it is a, it's a hard thing to get ahead around, uh, 40 to 50 percent at least each Sunday in America, as you say, about 10 percent here going to church. Uh, look, 80 million perhaps evangelical born-again Christians in America alone, 80 million. I mean, you have to ask, why isn't America the most godly, wonderful nation on earth? 80 million Christians, what are they doing? Why is it such a... You know, in so many ways, it's just going down the tubes big time. And you have to ask, where is the Christian influence? Why is there not any impact? Sure, there's individuals and groups doing their thing, but they're sadly in a small minority. 
So again, well, last election, 2012, right? Millions and millions of evangelical Christians didn't vote. They didn't even come out to vote. Partly, again, not fully happy with Romney. And mind you, I wasn't fully happy with Romney, but I knew the alternative was much worse, Obama. So to simply say, I'm going to sit this one out, well, sorry, that is a real abdication of your Christian responsibility, and it's really handing a much worse candidate, a silver platter, to get into the White House. So Christians really have only themselves to blame in many ways for the really sad state that America now is in. Well, time is running out. Focus on the family ahead in just over 10 minutes. Let's take some uh, some quick fire calls if we can. Uh, Bill from Essendon in Victoria. Hello, Bill. Welcome along. Hello there, Neil. And um, Essendon's the electorate of Bill Shorten. Okay. <laughs> My quick fire question is, uh, does the, um, Mr. Muhlenberg, is he aware that this man Trump um, has a reputation that people, even my age, don't know? I'm 58, and the, I was bought, I was at the Campbellfield Tip, and they had a shop. This is last Friday. And I bought a book for $2, so I wasted my money, I thought, and I was looking through it. Headline, one of the pages of records, uh, biggest bankruptcy ever to turn around to the biggest success, Donald Trump. I thought, wait a second. Hmm. Is this the same man? <laughs> He has well, a colourful business career. Yeah, uh, Bill, it's, uh, Bill Muhlenberg? Oh, look, it's, a, it's a good point. I mean, again, there's different qualifications. There's obviously spiritual qualifications. I'm not sure if Trump has got many. There's character qualifications. Again, he's on his third wife, and he's just opened a strip club. And you know, But, you know, simply how to run your own business, if I'm not mistaken. I think Trump has had five different failed businesses, at least. So, you know, you think, well, if you can't even be successful in some of your own business ventures, how are you going to be running the whole country? So, yeah, that's all part of the mix, things we need to uh, look into a bit more carefully uh, before we cast a vote. Bill from Essendon, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. Trevor is in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Trevor. How are you, uh, Bill? Um, Neil? My uh, biggest concern is... um uh, yes, you say uh, it seems like Ted Cruz is the only Christian uh, senator. Um, and I was trying to remember just how many other uh, Christian um, presidents there has been. Um, I think Jimmy, um, oh, what's his name, Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy Carter. I loved him. Yep. Carter, 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 yeah, yep. um, which I loved uh, in uh, w- what he was doing. But um, again, it, it worries me in Australia, we have two parties, and um, uh, this is where the point I'm coming to. We have two parties, um, both leaders at the present moment are, um, are partial to the gay idea, homosexual um, yep. marriage equality. And this is one that worries me, along with you know, where America's gone, because America's had six judges vote for the entire country that uh, this is all okay. Um, and it just worries me where we're heading here. I know the station does a lot of um, radio information about this movement with... Um, um, ACL uh, and um, marriage form and um, planet shakers and, and salt shakers, I should say, and yep. so on. But um, it worries me. And where do you think um, we uh, we're going with this? Um, you know, it, it appears this um, movement, this minority movement, have been persisting. This is their seventeenth attempt, I'm led to believe. And um, you know, Trevor, let's get some thoughts from Bill on that because uh, the whole uh, propaganda issues and uh, yes, uh, leaders who are partial to what we would say would be a non-Christian response to many of these issues. Bill Muhlenberg. Yes, well, you raise a couple of very good points here. The first, as to Christian presidents, um, 
I've uh, certainly been on record in the past to say that, look, if I had a, a guy who's uh, great values, great principles, great beliefs, great policies, uh, you know, I'd be happy, quite happy to have a non-Christian, <clears throat> either as prime minister or president. Uh, you know, I don't think you have to be a Christian to hold a high office. In fact, there can be often quite well-qualified non-Christians. So if it became a choice between a, you know, a non-Christian who had the right values and beliefs and a Christian who didn't, well, that for me is a no-brainer. As to the second point about the various pushes here and there for homosexual marriage, of course, the Supreme Court recently there did pull this rabbit out of the hat and never existed anywhere in the Constitution, but a handful of judges decided it would be there. And as you rightly say, our current leaders in Australia uh, are not the kind of guys you want in in terms of fighting this. Uh, we did knife in the back the guy who was strong, Tony Abbott. And this, by the way, raises another very important issue as to why we must get the right president in in America. For the simple reason he can appoint uh, Supreme Court justices who have a life term uh, so no real accountability or representation. The president of the day appoints them, and they're in for as long as they live. We just had a good conservative justice die, Antonin Scalia. So we have a vacancy. So you know, if Hillary or Bernie get in, it'll be disastrous with who they appoint, whereas if we got a Rubio or a Carson or a Cruz, Hopefully we'd get a good appointment, somebody who will stem the tide of some of this judicial activism. So a lot of important uh, choices to be made here. Trevor from Sunnybank, thanks so much for your call. Uh, let's hear from John in Perth. Hello, John. Yes. John, what are your thoughts? Yes, my, my, my point, of, of, uh, point I want to talk on is, uh, according to what Bill said, you know, America is a great nation, and uh, it is not only just about America to select president to be over there because the whole America leading the nearly the whole world. So if they put wrong leader there, you will dictate the whole world. So at this time we should try to open the eyes of those who are going to vote. If they put wrong president, the whole world will suffer. Jonathan, uh, very good point. Uh, Bill, just uh, something a little further on, on that. The leader mm -hmm. of the free world, the effect yep. on the whole world and the effect on Australia. Well, that's right. As we said, a huge impact globally, whether we like it or not. And as the Bible makes quite clear, righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. So, again, the man you have in there is going to have a huge impact, not just on his own country, but in a place like America. The whole world is going to get the impact for good or ill. So this really is a vital election in November. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you and uh, tying some loose ends together. Our conversation this hour has been about making sense of some of the issues in the U.S. presidential elections. Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch, our guest, and Bill writing on these sorts of things uh, with some regularity and uh, bringing some sense to an understanding as a Christian of how uh, the issues in America are unfolding, but, but uh, largely on issues that in Australia that make a huge difference too. In the U.S., they have what's called Super Tuesday, Day coming up, and I think that's as early as next week, where a whole lot of states will vote uh, on uh, these candidates. Uh, a little bit more light uh, to be shed then when there's when there's more idea about how ordinary Americans are thinking about these characters. Yeah, so that'll certainly be a big day. I think there's 11 states all up on that Tuesday. 
and um, we need to uh, bear in mind um, how that's going to go. Um, remember, the re- uh, Democrats are down to about two candidates now. They only had about five to begin with, but the Republicans had 17, I think, all up. They are now down to about five, so certainly by Super Tuesday we'll probably uh, weed out the last of those who are not doing so well, and we'll just end up with uh, probably two or three main runners for the rest of the term with the Republicans. So it's a crucial time. Like I say, 11 states, so a lot can happen then, and uh, prayer and careful consideration will be vital. Uh, let's just enlarge a little bit on prayer because ordinarily in our conversations on 2020 we're focused on national issues and national political uh, events here in Australia and uh, we're lifting our eyes towards the horizon uh, where the leader of the free world uh, will be elected this year and uh, looking at the US uh, there is a sense isn't there that uh, Australians ought to be also prayerful about what's happening uh, in the US given the strength of leadership that comes from uh, the lead- the US and on so many different uh, global issues uh, just uh, enlarge for us a little on, on the, the necessity for prayer Bill mm-hmm. Well, obviously, it's crucial. Uh, Australians who can't vote obviously can pray like mad that God will intervene and will get somebody who's uh, certainly more sympathetic to godly principles than what we've had for a while now. And any Americans living here, um, well, it's not just prayer, as I say so often, but we pray with uh, with uh, activity as well, uh, looking carefully into who's running maybe even campaigning for a person, uh, you know, uh, getting involved in the information wars as to who's a better candidate. There's a lot you can do in addition to prayer, but we need to undergird all this with prayer and pray that God will raise up indeed somebody who at least can stop the rot and give a bit more grace to a once great uh, United States. Well, Bill Muhlenberg, great getting your insights as usual and I suspect we'll do another segment or two like this in the lead-up to the US elections, keeping our eye on uh, those issues that are arising from what's happening as those uh, elections unfold. I'll point people to your website, Bill Muhlenberg. Uh, Simply Google Culture Watch or Bill Muhlenberg and you'll find Bill and his latest articles. Bill Muhlenberg, great talking. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.